This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Addie. And I'm Tommy. And you're listening to Series 4, Episode 11, All Sales Are Final. And let's start it off with an announcement. <laughs> it's a big one. Drumroll. In case you don't know, uh, for Series 5, we uh, put up a public poll so that our listeners could choose what system we were going to be playing after we're done with Tefra. The polls are now closed. We've tallied up all of the votes. And the winner is... Shadowrun! Shadowrun! Return to Shadowrun! Uh, yeah, so we are going to do our Return to Shadowrun series for Series 5, um, but it was so close. It was a real, real close competition between uh, uh, Shadowrun and the variety option, which actually we weren't prepared for. We thought maybe there was going to be a lot of votes for Dungeons and Dragons and Shadowrun and just a couple people were going to like say they wanted some more variety. Uh, but it turned out like up until the last moment, it was like neck and neck, like very, very close race between Shadowrun and variety. Uh, yeah. And almost half of the write-in votes uh, that you guys gave us were for 7th C, 2nd edition. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... With, with that, we are announcing both Series 5 and Series 7 uh, of our podcast. Uh, series 5 will be a return to uh, Shadowrun. We're going to be playing Shadowrun. We're going to try and get as many of the cast members from that series back as we can. And we're going to continue that plot line uh, to the best of our abilities. Uh, but Series 7 is most definitely going to be... 7th C. So if you were one of the many people who voted for Variety and voted for 7th C, you're going to get your wish, just not immediately. Uh, there's there's no denying that there's a, there's a lot of people that would like to listen to 7th C. And honestly, I want to play it. And the reason we're not doing it for Series 6 is many of you may already know this, but Series 6 is going to be a short series. Yeah, every three series, we just do a 10-episode arc instead of a 20-episode arc. And we want to give 7th C uh, the full breadth of 20 episodes for a campaign. So instead, we have another ser uh, another system that we'll be playing for 6 and then for 7, 7th C. And I... We'll let you all be pirates or something. Yeah. Yeah. 7C, we can also say Addy will be running it. I will be returning to my player seat. Uh, and uh, yeah, exciting stuff. But for now, Series 5, officially Shadowrun. Uh, I'm excited to return to to that system. It's going to be it's going to be real fun. Uh, I did leave a lot of open plot threads to tug on. So uh, I'm looking forward to running you guys through that again. I'm stressed out already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next week, we will be uh, announcing wi uh, what the official cast will be for Series 5. Uh, okay. We can't say for certain that everyone who was in the original cast will be able to make it back. Uh, they may not be available. We don't know. We got to reach out to them and see what, what, uh, what we can make happen. Uh, so on that bombshell, let's move on into words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. 
Uh, this Words with the GM Hello. is about Series 4, Episode 10, A Matter of Perspective. Yeah, uh, a fun little, uh, fun light episode for the most part until, you know, creepy haunted house stuff. It wasn't scary at all. <laughs> but, you know, there was a lot of light stuff in this too. I mean, come on, Barnabas, he had a fan. A real fan. A real fan. Yeah. He didn't just get an, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he said his name and people recognized it. That was pretty great. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was fun, you know, to, to give that little bit of reprieve for Barnabas's character where it's like, yeah, he actually... Has legitimate fans too, <laughs> beyond just Talia. We can't all be Talia. <laughs> but I also got to dish out a little bit of damage during the uh, during the haunt. It's been rare. Yeah. Um, um, as we've said before, you uh, in Tefer you have hit points and wounds. Your hit points refresh after you know the combat scenario is over. You have a breather. The action's done. Your hit points just go back up to maximum, uh, and your uh, wounds are uh, things a little more permanent. It's when you they actually draw blood. They actually, like, get a sizable hit on you. And a lot of times when you take wounds, you also take special effects, like, oh, your hand's all messed up now, so you can't use a weapon in that hand and that kind of stuff. So getting, getting uh, or losing all your hit points and uh, dropping into wounds is, uh, is a serious thing in Tephra. And I didn't quite get to do it, <laughs> but I got, I got Barnabas kind of close. Yeah, I think that's actually the most damage that you've done so far this campaign. Yeah, and not for lack of trying. <laughs> uh, uh, first off, uh, evasion in Tefra is pretty strong. Um, so it's often very hard to land a hit on your players. Um, but in addition to that, uh, the damage you deal per hit is pretty swingy uh it, it makes it makes big leaps uh sometimes you hit somebody and you roll kind of low and you're like oh well i do like four damage to you and then sometimes you hit somebody and you roll and you're like well uh take 48 damage or something ridiculous like that and uh the way that works um is uh damage tiers just like anything else in this game like my damage class is multiplied by the tier i roll uh so if i have a weapon that does six damage if i just roll my strike and i hit a tier one strike i'm like oh cool you're rolling your defense against my six damage yay <laughs> uh but if i like land a couple of 12s and my dice explode and i jump all the way up to like a tier three or four it goes from being like a six damage soaked by your armor to like maybe like a 24 damage attack. Uh, and if you have minimal armor, your tiered up soak doesn't really do much. You're like, oh yeah, I got a tier four success with my soak. That's four damage. If I roll a shitty damage, like that soaks up most of it. If I roll a high damage, four is not a big deal. All right, still take 20. <laughs> Ow. Yeah, and so uh, uh, that's kind of what happened uh, with this, uh, uh, with with these two rolls, is I got like tier three successes, I think, something along those lines. Yeah, and Barnabas was in his his pajamas. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, uh, uh, but it could have gone either way is the point. I could have rolled a tier one success and been like, all right, you're not wearing any armor and the, this, uh, these knives just flew at you, but take four damage. And the, the reason that can be really demoralizing as a GM is because uh, the difference between hit points and wounds. If I do hit point damage to you guys, it only matters as long as that combat lasts. If it's not going to last that long, if I'm only going to get a couple hits on you guys before you resolve the situation, uh, then like me doing a bunch of hit point damage to you it has no real effect after the fact. Like you guys finish it up. It's like, cool, I, I did like 12 damage to you, but it was all hit point damage. So you're f fine now after the combat's done. 
If I get a wound on you, though, then I can actually, like, have a lasting effect that makes the combat feel more harrowing. Uh, and so it can be kind of a hard thing to balance. So far, I haven't just blown you guys out of the water, and I'm starting to narrow, uh, to zero it in and figure out how I can deal some damage to you to make things threatening, but not, like, unfair. <laughs> I don't like those words so far. No, I'm I'm figuring it out. I'm figuring out how to kill you guys, but fairly. <laughs> Yay! I don't know. Um, all right. On that note, uh, let's turn to a happier subject. What was your favorite part? Oh, okay. So I gotta I gotta reveal a little bit. I I made a mistake while I was GMing. Uh, uh, my favorite part was when Zeke was like Barnabas, you're the master, and and <laughs> Talia, you're the dame, and I offensively am the little boy. <laughs> I got a huge kick out of that. And the reason uh, I laughed so hard at it was because I had forgotten to come up with a creepy lullaby to sing at you guys during the haunt. I had written in my notes, like, do a creepy lullaby, but I forgot to figure out what it was going to be. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> While we were in the middle of the session, getting up to that point, I, uh, I really quickly Google searched, uh, uh, nursery rhymes, uh, hoping to find one that I knew so I could, you know, do it on the fly. And it's an alphabetically ordered list. Baba Black Sheep was right up there at the top. And I was like, that one, I know that one I can make sound really creepy. I hadn't even thought about the perfect, like, parallel of like one for the master, one for the dame, one for the little boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that was really lucky and terrifying. Yes. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> what about you? What was your favorite part? Um, well, Zeke's all over the map today, I guess, uh, because mine was actually just how OP Call Birds is. <laughs> <laughs> Avian Wrath, I believe, is the official name of the special. Whatever, it's called Birds. <laughs> but yeah, you summon a bunch of birds to go peck at people for you. And it is real strong. <laughs> uh, it was just, um, kind of the perfect moment of, uh, once again, pulling, uh, pulling us out of the fire. Uh, I was, you know, covered in zombie and then all the other, you know, crazy things were coming after us. And then he was like, wait, it's those creepy kids. And then like started whistling and they got chased off and everything was fine. Everything was fine. Uh, you just had to mess with them a little bit and they ran away. And yeah. It's like a witch bolt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Witch bolt and Dungeons and Dragons. As soon as you hit them with it, you can just spend your turn to keep hitting them with it. Weird thing about it though, is that in Tefra with Avian Wrath, you can do other stuff on your later turns and they just keep getting... Because all you're doing is whistling. Yeah, as long <laughs> as you can keep whistling. Someone's really got to just cover Zeke's mouth to try and stop that from happening. But too bad they can't get to him because they're covered in birds. <laughs> Hopefully birds and not hand monsters. Hey, hey. <laughs> all right, we'll let that one pass. Uh, <laughs> um, but... Uh, we've talked enough for this, uh, for this episode. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and, uh, see what happens next. You guys are, uh, going to make your way to the roost desert episodes. Uh, let's move on forward and listen to series four, episode 11. All sales are final. Enjoy. Hello, I'm Barnabas Gunsby famous big game hunter and adventurer. I come from common birth, but I've used my skills to make a name for myself. I often go on expeditions to explore the world and its many lost secrets, to tame once wild lands and lay my eyes on wonders few have seen. I've written books of my exploits to help fund my adventures and while the books have 
brought me wealth and fame. Many believe them to be fiction. It's cast a sad shadow over my once great career. But I have been selected to participate in the great Atroposian circuit, where I shall prove to the world that Barnabas Gunsby is a true legend of adventure. Hello, I'm Tali Nazari. It's true, I am Varishta royalty, and that's all well and good, but ruling is certainly not my true passion, but a duty I fulfil nonetheless. You see, I'm first an inventor and engineer. Self-taught, but I'm very good, a natural. And I suppose that natural talent has only been helped along by a lot of time spent in solitude. But you should see all the sorts of things I've made, mostly through trial and error. I am certainly not afraid to jump in and get my hands dirty when needed. As fate would have it, being an inventor led me straight into what I believe will be one of the most interesting times of my life. Mr. Cornelius Jollypot has asked me to join his team for that great Atroposian circuit. Can you imagine? Of course I said yes, only bolstered by the fact that one of my teammates is Mr. Barnabas Gunsby, my favourite author. We're sure to have a fantastic time and perhaps even have the chance to win. I can't wait to leave Dalvozi and see the world with my amazing and talented teammates by my side. It's all so very exciting. I'm Ezekiel Quaglin, gnome pilot extraordinaire, but my friends call me Zeke. I grew up in Paldoris before the hurricane wars. When the Aedin attacked, I joined the military to do my part in defense of my people. When it came time to return home, we realized that in winning the war, Paldoris had become an uninhabitable wasteland. The Infernal Church of Jinzi swooped in to save the day with their city-sized stormships. This spelled salvation for many of my people, and though I was never particularly religious, I was happy to accept the church's appointment as pilot of Jinzi's Hammer. I flew the city for several years, but I never really enjoyed living on that mechanical monstrosity. When the Evanglesian Civil War broke out, I quickly volunteered for the Jinzi Corps to lend aid to the militarists. Though we lost, I earned admission to the High Flyers, and after the war, used my connections there to become a commercial pilot. It's not glamorous or exciting work, and it barely pays the bills, but it let me fly the skies. When Jollypot offered me a spot on his Atroposian circuit team, I was happy to accept in hopes of retiring to a life of luxury. I mean, even if we don't win, at least it won't be boring. The last time we left Team Jollypot, they had uh, undergone the trials of Valdru uh, to gain passage through that relatively restricted country, uh, and they passed, and accompanied by their friends Bartholo and Grundlefug, uh, hopped on a ferry heading north to the country of Zelhost. Uh, there they uh, made haste to get to the military city of Chekdekan, um, where they had to check in. Once there, they had to poke around and try to figure out exactly how they were going to proceed to the next checkpoint, uh, which was to the southwest in the desert country of Azeda uh, at a merchant hub known as The Roost. Their investigation of Chektikon uh, found that uh, a military vessel carrying uh, uh, supplies 
uh, would be or carrying various uh, uh, weaponry and ammunition uh, would be leaving for the roost the following morning. Uh, this vessel was under the command of General Alexei Romanov. Um, so Team Jollypot uh, went to the Romanov Manor uh, to see if maybe they could convince the general to let them on uh, his airship. And when they did, they found out that General Romanov was, in fact, a huge fan of Barnabas Gunsby and all of his work. Uh, so the general quickly uh, uh, said he would allow them uh, passage on his, uh, on his vessel uh, and also offered to let them stay at his manor for the evening. Um, they accepted, and uh, the night did not pass without incident. Um, as suits of armor sprang to life and little creepy girls ran around the halls singing... Uh, nursery rhymes um seemed like the house was in fact haunted uh running around trying to avoid the uh the terrors of the house uh the uh, team jollypot realized that in fact this was the work of none other than team holmes uh the creepy brothers of stilton milton and hilton um were seen standing across the street staring at the house with their eyes shrouded in black zeke uh, took the initiative and uh, let out a whistle calling forth a flock of birds to uh, uh, Harry the brothers and uh, the Stilton or, and Stilton Milton and Hilton uh, ran for it and as soon as they did all of the suits of armor zombies etc that were chasing after the uh, uh, the adventurers um, vanished and everything was fine um so uh, the rest of your night goes uh, smoothly, um, and then all three of you are woken up uh, in turn by uh, Dimitri, uh, who uh, gives you coffee and breakfast, and says, uh, "I'm uh, I'm sorry for the uh, the early hour. Uh, the sun is barely uh, barely starting to crest the horizon." Um, but, uh, the general instructed me to, uh, wake you up with enough time so that you could make it to the airstrip before the, uh, uh, before the ship disembarks. Uh, you should have enough time to shower, get your things in order. Um, and, uh, please let me know if there's anything I can do, uh, to serve you in, uh, in the interim. Uh, and then when you're ready, let me know and I can escort you, uh, to the airstrip and see you off. Thank you so much. Um, I gather my things shower gather my things and um are prepared to leave whenever my compatriots are i get a shower and scrounge up the rest of my dinner and <laughs> my pack fair enough there's a couple leftovers left <laughs> i need sure um and uh when you guys are ready uh dimitri uh escorts you out of the home and uh walks you guys over to the airstrip uh he presents the guards there with a voucher uh, which, you know, states basically that General Romanov has, you know, uh, given you access to his vessel, uh, and, uh, you guys start approaching the, uh, airship. Um, it is, uh, it is a proper airship. It's got, uh, an armored balloon, armored hull. Um, it's, it's pretty large and bulky in size. Nothing flashy. That's for sure. It's definitely a cargo vessel. Um, and, uh, as you guys are getting ready, uh, to board, um, 
uh, he, uh, there's a, uh, woman, uh, who seems to be barking orders at, uh, two other men, uh, who looks over, sees Dimitri, sees the three of you. Uh, she, uh, uh, nods to Dimitri who gives her like a salute and, uh, he goes, uh, that's Sergeant Katya Mosin and she's, uh, the captain of the vessel. Um, and, uh, she, uh, she should be able to take you from here. Uh, I just want really quick to, uh, say it's been a pleasure, uh, meeting the three of you. Uh, Mr. Gunsby, I have to admit, uh, I am in fact, uh, uh quite a fan of your works as well. Uh, you kind of have to be working for the general. Um, so, uh, uh, I wish the three of you luck. Thank you. I, I appreciate everything you've done for us. Of course, uh, happy to help, and uh, you can you can bet that uh, uh, the Romanov Manor is going to be uh, listening with rapt attention as you, uh, as you guys continue on your way. Uh, the general was beside himself that he was able to uh, assist you. I'm honored to have met the general. I was I was pleased to see he was a fan. And I was even more pleased that he'd been on one of my expeditions. Uh, and, uh, with that, um, I mean, he says goodbye to the rest of you. Do you guys find a meat drink? It was real. <laughs> right. Bye. <laughs> um, thank you so much for everything. Your hospitality has been greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. And, and do pass on our thanks to I, the general. I certainly will. Uh, oh, looks like the sergeant is ready for you. And you see that the, uh, two men have left the, uh, uh, the woman, and she's now approaching you. And uh, uh, Dimitri bows to the three of you and uh, takes his leave. And uh, Katya Mosin approaches you. Uh, like all other people of howdy descent, she is tall, largely built, very muscular. Uh, she's got the dark skin. And uh, she says, uh, I am Sergeant Katya Mosin. Um, Welcome aboard. I'll have my men take your things and uh, store them in the cargo hold. Uh, let me uh, give you a bit of the tour. We're, we're due to uh, take off here in a few minutes. Uh, she leads you up. Um, you see that there's uh, basically kind of like an open deck with like a cabin for the uh, uh, for the helmsman. Um, and then there's uh, attached to that cabin, uh, there's a, a ladder down to the uh the below deck uh where there is uh basically like a small uh kitchenette um with like a table and like uh, an actual refrigerator and you know some niceties uh and uh there's a large uh sealed door in the kitchen that leads back to the cargo hold uh, and she uh she opens it up to like give you guys a peek in it she goes and you see like just it, most of the the uh, ship is this cargo hold, and it's just got tons and tons of crates uh, lining it. Um, and uh, how far into it can I see? All the way to the back, really. Is there anything interesting? No, basically, like, so you can't see. You're basically looking down a corridor between two very tall uh, shelving units full of crates. Are any of them interesting? They're uh, marked with like numbers and stamps and like boring. item codes, but yeah, more or less boring. Um, and you see like the large, uh, hatch that obviously opens up on the back, uh, the under back side of this ship to make loading and unloading very easy. Uh, and she shuts it and, uh, uh, she says, um, you, as you see, there's no, uh, there's no place for, um, for you to really, uh, rest. Um, we don't have, uh, 
anything but uh, these three rooms um, in the uh, uh, on the ship here. Um, that's because uh, this ship is uh, uh, entirely used for transport to and from the roost, uh, and uh, the trip is about sixteen hours. Uh, so uh, we are going to be leaving here soon. In a moment, we should be uh, we we should be uh, arriving not too late in the evening or not too late in the night uh, at the roost. Do you have any questions for me, or or um, I can uh, you can leave your things here in the kitchen that my men will uh, store them in the cargo hold. Yes, one question. Yes. Do you need any assistance with cleaning the ship during <laughs> transit? <laughs> you see, I have quite an extensive background in airship janitorial services. <laughs> she seems a little confused by your question and then goes, I like to think I keep a pretty clean uh, vessel as it is, Mr. Gunsby, but... Uh, no, no, it's not an insult to your ship. I'm just merely offering what I can. See, I'm not exactly an engineer or a pilot. One thing I can do is have an excellent attitude and help <laughs> clean the ship. Uh, she smiles and she goes, well, a, a good attitude uh, is something we can use. Um, well, here is the, uh, the, the closet with the cleaning supplies. Um, there's the mop. Uh, feel free to, uh, to clean to your heart's, con heart's content. Um, <laughs> watch out for Barnabas Gunsby. <laughs> Janitor extraordinaire. <laughs> uh, as, or, and then, uh, as you say that, um, one of the crew members, uh, climbs down the ladder, uh, and is like, we're ready to go, uh, captain. And, uh. Uh, she goes, well, if you'll excuse me, uh, we need to disembark. Um, and uh, she climbs up the ladder, and the uh, large gentleman who climbed down uh, collects your guys' things, puts it in the cargo hold. Would you like me to store the automaton? No, thank you. Uh, I have some work to do. Okay. Uh, and he climbs back up, and the three of you are left in the kitchenette. And uh, very quickly after that, the uh, you feel as you guys begin to take off. All right. Um, is there like a table at all in the kitchenette? Yep, yep. All right. I have now taken over it <laughs> um, as I have some work to do um, on uh, the Gerald and his wings. Okay. Uh, so I shall be reworking them. Uh, into something more appropriate for the desert. Uh, As she uh, begins uh, her workstation, I lay out a cloth on the table and give her a scowl <laughs> and then continue, continue on cleaning. I don't notice the scowl. I'm busy concentrating. Uh, yeah, and uh, like I said, it is a 16-hour um, trip. Uh, what are you, what are you guys doing to entertain yourselves on that? Obviously, uh, Talia, you're working on, uh, augmenting Gerald's, uh, wings. Um, Zeke, Barnabas, how you guys doing? I challenge Barnabas to a stick fight. <laughs> Cause he has a mop. <laughs> <laughs> he has a stick. <laughs> so yeah, Barnabas, as you're mopping the deck, uh, Zeke comes up to you with his newly acquired druidic staff. You want to fight? I look around. Ha ha! Have at you! 
and he begins fighting you with a mop. Uh, I need both of you to roll accuracy, and I need both of you to roll evade. <laughs> I got 12 on both. It's a 22 on accuracy. Yeah, it's a 14 on evade. <laughs> All right. So, uh, <laughs> uh, Barnabas, uh, you, uh, you're holding a mop. And, uh, uh, you guys, uh, ascend above the clouds, uh, the sun just starting to rise <laughs> and, um, my scarf blowing in the wind <laughs> and, uh, uh, you guys go at it. Um, and it seems Barnabas that Zeke is in fact very, uh, adept with this, uh, staff he's wielding. Um, I mean, you are wielding a mop, so, you know. He has you at a slight disadvantage there, but you're all, he's also the size of like your foreleg. So you kind of have an advantage on him there. <laughs> um, but he, uh, uh-huh, you're very adept at this. He, uh, he avoids all of your, uh, attacks and makes some solid connections himself. Obviously nothing to harm. You guys are just sparring, but, uh, yeah, he like darts between your legs, hits you in the back, parries, uh, all of your attempts to hit him, uh, with either his staff or, uh, by catching your mop in his, uh, uh, in his long red scarf, and I'm gonna have to wait for the tree or for the plane. I'm Yoda. <laughs> uh, catching your catching your mop in his long red scarf, um, and uh, you know, like he'll frequently like he has this move where he'll like you'll reach to hit him and he'll dart to the side, catch your knee with his, uh, staff, bringing you down to his level and like, kind of like bop you in the, in the face. <laughs> Say old friend, how do you feel about dirty tricks? And I'm going to, uh, fling some, uh, dirty mop water in his eyes. <laughs> <I'm not. laughs> roll a roll accuracy. Go ahead and roll evade. Uh, <laughs> Zeke. Can I evade heroically? Yeah, it's real gross water. <laughs> 14. <laughs> I had just finished the bathroom. It's a 31 on heroics. I think that's a plus 12 Jesus. to evade. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a 20 on evade. <laughs> so uh, he sticks the mop into the uh, into the gross brown water and <laughs> flicks a bunch of water at you. And like in slow motion, you like matrix dodge it. <laughs> and none, none, all the water like lands behind you. Good show. That was. No, we're done now. <laughs> and uh, the you you say you say that Zeke and you guys look in the, the larger crew members watching you guys. And he goes. Gross. Make sure you mop that up. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes walking off. Yeah. That was a perfectly reasonable maneuver. There's no such thing as an unfair fight. (laughs) Only one you intend to win. (laughs) I also tell the rest of the crew stories in between cleaning and naps. Uh, Sure. Um, Roll cunning for me. Let's see how good your stories are. 17. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, basically you, you realize that, um, the way, the way that the, uh, the crew orients itself is, uh, one person is uh, on duty at the helm. 
and then another is uh, given leave to uh, rest and recuperate in the kitchenette, uh, either having a snack, reading a book, playing a board game, something like that. Uh, and then uh, the third member of the crew is uh, there's a third member or one of the crew is always in the cargo hold. Um and they basically keep rotating around. Like one person will be on cargo hold duty, then move to the helm, and then move to the kitchenette, and then go back to car- cargo hold duty. Um, and uh, so basically, you set up in the in the kitchenette uh, and catch them when they're when they're on their breaks. And uh, they actually, you know, they seem rather entertained by your story. And I guess Talia is there too. Uh, I am, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's so good when the author is telling his own stories. It's like they actually happened. <laughs> Because they did. I And I know. used the mop as one of my props. Ooh. <laughs> I clap and gasp at um, just all the right parts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the crew is entertained by your stories and they occasionally like will tell you some of theirs uh, when they like lie adjacent uh, to something you've been talking about. Uh, but no one listens to you with more rapt attention and more enthusiasm than Talia Nazari. Good show, Mr. Gunsby. I love that one. I'm so happy to have heard them. Will you tell it again? Of course. <laughs> I briefly walk into the kitchenette, see this, and turn around and go back to practicing stick stuff. You, you just you just see him on the mop, uh, galloping, going, <laughs> whoa, whoa. And no. then you just turn around and walk. <laughs> um, and uh, it makes... Lighter work of my stripping down of these wings and later Gerald. You're stripping down Gerald? Not all the way. Just I have plans. Okay. Uh, yeah. She's, her, her work sprawls over the kitchenette. Yeah. Is there, is there anything else you guys are trying to achieve uh, besides, you know, just keeping yourself entertained? Uh, the crew will play board games with you on occasion. Uh, <laughs> And there's like a little small library for you guys to like take time like reading and uh, uh, the like. I'm very busy. Okay. I look out over the desert and see what I can see. Uh, yeah. Well before the sun sets, you guys, uh, basically the land becomes dry and then becomes sand. And then before the sun's even down, you guys are surrounded by desert as far as you can see. Um, it's hot and dry and uh, seems pretty barren. Um, what you guys know about the, I have to wait. I can probably see some ruins and shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, just so you know, I'm stripping down as much as I can so I can build this. Sand skiff. Is that a thing you can make? I guess it has propulsion, right? So Mm. you can pay, I can build the actual vehicle. Yeah. I, I get what you're going with it. Um, yeah, um, you just so have to find, find a way to, to trade for something. We to have to find like somebody who sells stuff somewhere. Oh man, where are you guys gonna find that? Right. Probably well, nobody in this desert sells machinery at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway, just so you know, I'm not keeping it a secret, but I'm not like. So uh, it seems pretty dry and pretty barren. Um, you do. Uh, get the occasional glimpse of what looks like a v- like very like a, it's hard to call the what you see ruins it's more like you get a glimpse of like a fragment of a very 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 old structure barely poking out of the sand um and you do occasionally see like 
the skeletons laid out on uh, like uh, a skeleton or two laid out in the sand of like very large uh, creatures, um, uh, like the skulls, uh, skulls and bones, like completely bleached by the sun. Uh, and, um, uh, this is, uh, uh, this is the, uh, Quist, which is the name of the desert that spans across the, uh, the country of Azeda. Uh, Azeda a long time ago was a prosperous, uh, country, um, under the, uh, Laquai empire. Um, and when I say a long time ago, I mean like before the, the Howdy empire even really grew to power, there was the Laquai Empire. And um, as the Howdy Empire grew power and started conquering most of Verluzia, uh, they never really uh, uh, they never really were able to um, outmatch Laquai. Uh, so even once the uh, Howdy Empire became like larger and stronger, uh, it, uh, the Laquai Empire remained steadfast. Before the Howdy Empire really reached full power, so hundreds of years ago, the Laquai Empire fell. Uh, this happened because um, the advisor to the royal family um, called the Sapiens, which is a title name uh, taken on by anybody who holds that position, um, she uh, began experimenting with Bioflux before the science ever existed. Um, very, very rudimentary things. Uh, she created many of the large, uh, beasts that roam the desert now. Um, and she was seen basically as like a witch or a sorceress. Um, and the Laquai royal family, <clears throat> uh, cast her out into the desert when they found out what she was doing. Uh, this pro posed problematic because she was much beloved by the, uh, people of the empire. And, uh, it basically began a civil war, uh, that, decimated the landscape of Azeda, uh, making it what it is today. Uh, most of the remnants of the Laquai Empire are now completely buried in the sand of the desert. Uh, and as far as the culture goes, uh, the people of Azeda uh, now exist um, in several roaming caravans. Uh, these caravans each act as their own uh, city, or even really like a city state, uh, they, <coughs> uh, they range in population from thousands to tens of thousands of people. Um, all of them semi self-sustaining, but they really, uh, the way they exist is by trading with each other, uh, as well as setting up camp on the border of Azeda to trade with the outside countries on occasion. Um, there's actually a significant amount of trade that happens between Valdru and Azeda, uh, given the fact that they are two very, very different countries as far as ecosystem goes. Um, uh, and, uh, these caravans, um, or these caravans while, uh, trading with each other on occasion as they pass in the desert, um, more often than not, uh, use the roost as their primary destination when, uh, attempting to trade with each other. And that's where you guys are, uh, are heading. Um, but it's far enough away that before the sun sets, you definitely aren't able to see it. Yeah. Uh, anything else interesting happening along the way or, or you guys got a few more hours left in the trip? I believe I shall take a short nap. It's been a long day of cleaning and storytelling and <laughs> napping. 
<laughs> uh, yeah. Um, uh, a little, uh, after a few more hours, uh, you guys can see uh, fast approaching uh, in the sea of darkness that is the desert below you in the night, uh, the one bastion of light, which is uh, the roost. Uh, you guys are getting closer to it, and um, uh, Katya approaches you all uh, and says, All right, we should be arriving at the roost uh, in a little under an hour. Um, so uh, uh, prepare for landing. Um, I see you're starting to pack up your things. That's good. We're going to be setting up uh, in a, a, a section in the south in an area known as the Kettle. Um, we are going to be, uh, there for a couple weeks and, uh, the general has instructed me to inform you that if for whatever reason, uh, the three of you want to return to check the con with us, uh, you are more than welcome aboard this vessel. Thank you very much. Um, hopefully we won't need it. <laughs> yes, we appreciate it, but we have a race to win. Uh, yes, I understand. Um, uh, offer still stands in case uh, in case you uh, lose the taste of, for it. Um, I do want to warn you uh, as we are approaching uh, this uh, uh, this area. It is uh, entirely a large trading bazaar, and um, as with any uh, collection of commerce, um, it is a place where pickpockets and sneak thieves uh, can thrive. Uh, so you're going to want to keep a close eye on all your possessions while you traverse the roost. Uh, the people here are very kind and welcoming, so um, there's no need to uh, to uh, play it close to the chest or, or uh, distrust anyone in particular. I just want you to know uh, that uh, your things can go missing if you do not keep an eye on them. Of course. Thank you for the warning. As you guys get closer to the roost, uh, you're uh, able to get a better look of it. Um, uh, see anything going down? So it, it is lit up. It's it's not so it's not so late in the evening that uh, uh, that like the city has gone to sleep or anything. Uh, in fact, you you have an idea that perhaps this city never sleeps. <laughs> it's also hard to call it a city. It it, it is really more of a giant encampment. Um, it's built. Uh, it's made up of uh, entirely temporary or, at best, semi-permanent structures uh, put together by the various merchants. Uh, lots and lots of uh, canvas coverings, uh, like making uh, shade, and um, it sprawls about uh, the the area of the sprawl is about four hundred square miles. And um, what you can see is, as you're approaching, um, uh, there seems to be like some like there's on occasion, uh, uh, bits of old ancient structure poking out of the sand, uh, more so than what you saw, uh, on the way, uh, Zeke. Um, but nothing that would qualify as like a building, uh, at most, like there's like a couple columns in one spot. And then the, uh, most notable, uh, uh, like structure, uh, besides the like various tents and, uh, temporary like settlements, uh, is, um, you can see the, very uh, faint remnants of what what must have at one point been a wall back during the ancient times of the Lakwai Empire. Um, just fragments of a wall, really, but you can see it like makes a circle, um, and uh, that would be that wall would basically be uh, at the like 
300 square mile part. Uh, basically, like if, if the diameter of the um, encampment was about like 23 miles, uh, the remnants of the wall would be inset uh, by like maybe like five miles, something like that. Uh, if you guys don't have anything you try to achieve in the next like 45 minutes, you guys land. Woohoo. Um, uh, we thank the captain again and um, head into uh, wherever we're, we're supposed to be going. Yeah. Do we know uh, where we're supposed to So basically, in? you guys land in like the southern section of, uh, of the sprawl that is the roost. Um, and uh, like not on the outskirts per se, um, but still a little bit away from like what would be considered the center. Uh, and according to your uh, documents, uh, you're supposed to meet with the representative of the court elite uh, who is uh, who you should be able to find in the center area, uh, which is uh, called the clutch. Um, and, uh, you're supposed to go to where the viceroy of the Asagu caravan, uh, is currently staying. And that's where we're supposed to check in. Yes. All right. We ask for directions. Yes. (laughs) Wait, no. What if they're pickpockets? Um, uh, Katya, uh, as you guys are like, uh, loading your stuff, taking your stuff out, um, you see that the other two, uh, members of the crew are working with some of the residents, to uh, get a lot of the like, some of the crates set off or set up um, in the area where the airship landed. First, the first crates off the ship are some that make some sort of structure, uh, some kind of uh, tent or shop, temporary setup. Um, they start working with some of the locals to get that set up. Uh, and you ask Katya uh, what the best way to the clutch is, um, and she says it's um, about a couple hours in uh, in towards the center of town. Um, as far as where the viceroy of the Asagu caravan is, um, I'm not ne- I'm not really sure, but um, uh, it shouldn't be too hard to find. Um, the uh, the Asagu caravan is uh, is the largest and most uh, influential of the caravans. Uh, it is the one that is supposedly descended from the uh, the Lakwai uh, the Lakwai, um, royalty, uh, rival to the uh, to the caravan of the Sapiens. Um, the uh, second largest of the uh, of the caravans, the one descended from the followers of uh, of the well, you don't need the history lesson. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you should be able to ask around and find uh, the viceroy uh, pretty easily. Um, if you look, uh, many of the uh, members of the caravan will uh, have tattoos around their wrists that uh, identify them. Uh, as um as their caravan the uh, the insignia of the asagu is um uh, is a sun uh so you guys head in a general north direction sure i scrabble up onto gerald if it's cool i don't want to get trampled whoop, whoop, whoop. cool uh you do notice uh it's very easy to tell while you're on uh gerald's shoulders uh zeke uh he's drawing a lot of attention um, just be cool, Gerald. Woo. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, you guys do stand out a little bit. Um, uh, all of the, the local Zeta, um, they have bleached white skin and many of them bear, uh, what seem to be ceremonial scar tattoos, uh, on their, uh, shaved heads. 
Um, it is, it is in fact, uh, uh, almost none of, uh, the Azeda, uh, have hair on top of their heads. They've shaved their heads. I give, as we pass by people, I give traditional Zayden greeting. They, they greet you back, uh, uh, Barnabas. Um, they seem hospitable enough, uh, despite their like rugged, uh, scarred exterior these people seem to be uh uh quite welcoming in fact uh some of them are a little too welcoming you kind of uh, you're walking through a merchant area and tons of people are shouting at you guys as you're walking around trying to get you to stop at their stalls uh it's uh it's just a cacophony of people shouting at each other here um and as you guys walk around you notice that most of the shops nearby seem to have uh, different degrees of, uh, of weaponry and armor, um, as well as, uh, other, uh, uh, devices of warfare. <laughs> um, you also see the occasional like apothecary selling, uh, what can only be poison, uh, to people. Um, it actually seems almost a little shady around here, uh, with the, with the things that they're selling. It's, you're in like the arms district, uh, <laughs> And, uh, uh, you also see that many of the people here are armed, uh, mostly with like large, intricate steam powered crossbows. All of this is very off putting. I don't know why people would scar their bodies. It's not how you treat your body. And then also just in general sort of like, I don't know, there's lots of people and they're usually, and they're very close. I don't like it. But you see... <laughs> Here they view scars as a thing of beauty, scar no. whether it be ritual <laughs> scarring or ones earned in battle. Each scar tells a story. At well, least that's how they view it here. I tried to keep my skin clear for my cover. <laughs> well, um, I suppose to each their own, but not and for as me. you're adventuring, that is something to keep in mind. To each their own. Hey, that's progress. <laughs> Zeke gets a scowl As you guys are walking You do see at one point uh, Someone uh, Being like tackled um, And uh, They're like uh, Shouting at him They flip him over And they uh, the merchant who tackled him Like pulls out like uh like a, a a bottle It was one of the apothecaries uh, And uh, he like shows it uh, to the people around him and puts it in his pocket. Um, at this point, uh, two people walk up. Um, you notice that they are both wearing large onk necklaces. Um, and they, uh, are like, seem to be like mediating the situation. They see what's going on. Uh, the thief tries to make a run for it. Uh, and they catch him and, uh, grab his hand and lay it on top of uh, on top of a crate. Um, and uh, as you guys are starting to leave, like the area, you see them po uh, produce a hot iron and burn the dude's hand, uh, branding him as a thief. At I least he still has that hand. <laughs> uh, yeah, and in a couple hours' time, uh, you guys, uh, you notice that um, the the. Uh, landscape of the merchandise being sold around you has uh, changed slightly. Um, you've reached, uh, you've gone kind of downhill into like a lower section that seems to be, uh, seems to have some remnants of, uh, of a stone 
uh, base to it. Um, not, you know, fully encompassing, but like you do hit patches of actual stonework, like floor, um, in between like the patches of sand. Uh, and, uh, you notice that the, uh, booths all around you are, uh, you're now being harangued to purchase, uh, food, uh, various dried meats, uh, f- uh, the occasional fruit, um, but nothing like really, really nice, uh, and, uh, tons and tons of canned food as well. Um, I'll I be show, shaking at you. Oh. I show, I take Zeke, I put my hand on his back and I guide him straight towards one of the dried meat stalls. Zeke, my friend, you must try this. Well, you would like to buy? Um, I look at Barnabas and I say, if you want to buy me jerky, I'm not going to say no. Is the How best about a jerky? sample? I will take some. But you should give my friend here a sample. I'm sure he'll buy some. Yes, uh, here, here go. Um, here's a little sample for you, my friend. I take it and I eat it. Uh, it's a uh, salted and seasoned uh, dried meat. It's very tasty. This is pretty good. My bank account balance is zero. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. That's right. Uh, well, I guess we'll have to buy a whole bunch next time we come back. Don't you say? Are the two of you buying or not? He says with a like bundle of jerky in his hand that he was about to wrap up. Well, I wasn't the interested party, but it seems my friend here is out of money. We appreciate it and we shall spread word of the best jerky in the land. Well, whatever, word next customer. He, uh, he pushes you out of the way and says, buyers only. <laughs> pretty good jerky, huh? It was pretty good. I climb back on Gerald so as not to be trampled. Uh, and we press on. You feel like you've traveled enough that you're in the center of town. All right. Um, is there anybody anybody with um, a sun tattoo? Uh, yeah, looking around, you, you see a couple walk, walking by, some of them purchasing uh, and one of them uh, uh, selling bottled water. All right. Um, I suppose I will ask the seller uh, if he could point me in the direction of the Viceroy of the Asagu. What do you want with the Viceroy? We're members of the Atroposian Circuit and uh, we're supposed to check in with him. Oh, um, I don't know much about that, but um, the uh, the Viceroy is currently uh, down the ways that way. You can see uh, uh, the remnants of uh, basically an, an old archway. He has uh, set up camp there. Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, do you want some water? It's only uh, the cheap price, cheap price. You need the water to survive in the desert, young lady. I shall check in with the Viceroy and return for water. All right, I'll give you a special price. Two for one. Later, perhaps. And he shrugs and goes on selling to someone else. (laughs) You don't need to buy water. I'll show you how to make a water still. It's a desert. But there are still ways to capture water out here. Okay. I'll show you later. Wait, capture water? You don't capture water. Don't you collect it? It's, you know, you go to a stream or something, obviously not in the desert, but um, actually, how do you get water in the desert? So he explains, <laughs> it, he explains both solar and uh, uh, dew stills as we walk towards. Oh, 
Oh, I've read a book about that once. Excellent. Okay. Yes, it was actually (laughs) in my third book when I was not far from this location. So you've been here before? Yes, that's how I knew the traditional greeting. Oh, I thought you were just sort of... Well, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, so we should go this way is where he just said to go. Yeah. You guys walk, and very quickly you see um, an old, uh, like, archway that's kind of broken uh, in the center, uh, and there's a tent uh, underneath it. Is there, like, a person out front or something to, to, like, a guard? Uh, Yeah, there's, like, there is a booth uh, uh, set up out front, like, basically, like, a table, um, and it's got uh, some canned food and stuff like that. Oh, all right. I suppose I shall go up there and ask for an audience with the Viceroy. Why would the Viceroy want to see you? You got a guy named Duncan Ferner in there? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, no, we we do a tall guy, pencil mustache, yes? Hold on one second. I have to confer with my teammates. Talia. Yes? Do you have a way to break a robot with a logic puzzle yet? Oh, so I was thinking, I, I didn't give it a lot, of, a lot of thought, but what if you just said this statement is false? And I, I quickly covered Gerald's ears. <laughs> <laughs> it, it actually shouldn't affect Gerald. He hasn't got a brain works yet. He's only got a, a, a operations matrix. It should be all right. <sighs> okay, good. I was afraid for a minute. Woo woo. I don't speak your language. <laughs> you should really learn it. He's quite witty. <laughs> Woo! Yes. I he has know. lots of great jokes. Yes. Bring us to Duncan Furter. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> well, first, um, let me, um, I'll bring him out to you. Uh, the Viceroy is a busy man. I do not want you uh, uh, bothering him. Um, also, how long has he been here? The tall fellow with the pencil mustache? Yes, that gentleman. Um, he... he Joined up with the Viceroy a little over a month ago. Have you ever seen him sleep or eat? That's a very strange question. I don't He's watch people. He's a very strange man, don't you think? I don't have much dealings with him. Do you want me to go get him or not? Fine. <laughs> Thank you very much um, for your troubles. Of course. Um, watch he, him. Yeah, he. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> Uh, he calls. He calls to someone who comes and takes his place, uh, watching over the goods. Sure. I ask the same questions to this guy. He seems equally perplexed <laughs> uh, and less informed. Uh, uh, and the guy uh, walks in, and uh, after a little bit, the tent flap opens up, and wearing the exact same clothes you've seen him in before with the exact same pencil mustache, way of walking, black hair, pale skin. Uh, Duncan Furter comes walking out um, and he goes, Hello, I'm Duncan Furter. <laughs> and, uh, Hello, Duncan Furter. I underst- I'm Barnabas Gunsby. Oh, Barnabas Gunsby. Team Gunsby. Jollypot. Excellent. Great. Uh, I, I appreciate the, uh, the brevity. Um... Uh, let's let's see here. And he uh, produces a clipboard, uh, and he goes and uh, he scribbles on it. And he goes, uh, "Your trip uh, uh, was uh, uneventful." Yes, for the most part. Mm, glad to see you've made it here safely. You're one of the few teams who has. Um, 
Let's see now. Uh, in first place, we have Team Cornfoot. In second place, Team Basington. In third place, Team Towley. In fourth place, Team Jollypot. And, of course, any teams that follow you on this list are now purely speculative based on eyewitness accounts and what have you. Um, seems uh, we have Team Holmes and then Team Arglin, Team Nightingale, Team Cups, Team Torchinovich, Team Adams, Team Silver... And finally, Team Fittleworth. And I uh, have a note here to speak to you about Team Fittleworth. Uh, it appears you lodged a, a request for an investigation to be had about the uh, actions of one Team Fittleworth. You seemed to suspect potential foul play on their part. Less suspect and more witnessed it with our own eyes and had them confess, but yes... Yes, well, uh, other teams were, were asked if they had uh, witnessed any other foul play. The teams that we could speak to since you uh, lodged the complaint, um, as well as various eyewitness accounts uh, from um, the many people who spectate the Atroposian circuit. And I um, am pleased to inform you uh, that no signs of foul play were found. Uh, Team Fiddleworth, while seemingly unable to check in, has not made their presence known to anyone. And one would suspect that if no one has seen them, uh, then uh, it would be hard to, uh, for them to influence the race. You talk to every member of the Anthroposian circuit? The ones we were able to speak with, yes. Right, and the ones you couldn't speak with? We haven't had a chance to speak with them yet, so how would we be able to? Right, so you, it we seems like you've really sort of not thoroughly investigated this and have just kind of decided that you've done enough to look like you tried and now you're going to quit. Well, I, uh, I'm sorry you feel that way, Mr. Quaglin. You must understand that if we were able to wait until we were able to speak to every team... Uh, you wouldn't be able to because they would have already killed some of them. Well, no, they, they would, uh, uh, the race would already be over. Some teams have fallen uh, fallen woefully behind. Team Adams hasn't been seen in uh, quite a few checkpoints. Uh, Team Silver, as far as we know, is still stuck in Laresh. Team Torchinovich... Uh, Fell in a river. Well, they, uh, they did recently check in in Old Paldorus, and uh, when asked if they had noticed any foul play on the behalf of Team Fiddleworth, uh, they uh, said they hadn't seen them. Of course... We will we will continue uh, keeping an eye out, uh, but uh, the investigation is all but closed at this moment. And while we do appreciate teams being vigilant, uh, what you may have witnessed could have been uh, misunderstood. And um, I, I must I must uh, take a moment to uh, uh, to inform you that um, false accusations of of cheating are not strictly forbidden, but uh, to attempt to throw another team under the bus without any clear evidence uh, could land you in some trouble with the circuit. Uh, this is not a reprimand by any means. I just simply wanted to inform you. Oh, your meaning is taken very clear, Mr. Duncan Furter. 
I will say, questioning the honor of a virtue is not something that is frequently done, nor is accusing them of falsehoods. He, he smiles warmly at you and goes, we did not mean to impugn your armor. I think you in did, Mr. Duncan Furter. I'm and sorry I you feel would, that way. I would encourage you to be more careful or your counterpart in uh, Dayan may find himself in a bit of trouble. See, it's very hard to tell you apart. He blinks and he goes, are you threatening a member of the Corps de Lee? Of course not. I shouldn't think so. I, I couldn't imagine why you would think that. Well, it seems we're done here. And he uh, walks away. The statement is false. <laughs> he, uh, you say that just as he enters through the, the tent flap. Do I hear him fizz out and explode inside? You do not. <laughs> Damn. Maybe he's like clones. Maybe it's like a Team Holmes thing where they all share the same brain. Mr. Quaglin, what does it matter? It's just so weird. You know, this is <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Accusing us of cheating by accusing someone else of cheating. It's, I've, I've never been so, I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> How long has it been since we've slapped? Talia, uh, quite some time. I mean, you, you guys didn't get a, uh, necessarily the most restful sleep in uh, Romanov's manner. And then um, Talia didn't sleep at all on the uh, flight here. And it's not like particularly late, late. It's Leo. Like, yeah, but it was 16 hours. Yeah. Maybe let's find an end. The nerve of these rich new money Humans! Infuriating! <laughs> I don't know if that's progress or not. I think we should find a place to sleep. She goes Agreed. on. Agreed. <laughs> she, she continues, as you guys guide her towards where you hope you might find an inn, Talia continues to uh, rant and rave about, oh, never even heard of the thing. Da, 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 da. No one's ever spoken to me like that in my life! <laughs> Miss Nazari, I understand your frustration, but... Remember, yes, there are rules in a code of honor, but when you hire a bunch of thieves to do this, it doesn't doesn't always play out as such. What's the point if it doesn't even matter if nobody follows the rules but us? The point will be made when we do win the race following the rules. That the best adventurers can win without having to cheat or kill each other. That's why we're in this. Because we are the best adventurers. We are the most honorable. And we will win with honor. <laughs> grumble, grumble, grumble. Uh, so I heard that. <laughs> where, where, uh, where about are you guys uh, heading? Towards something that looks vaguely in-like. Right. It's so everywhere around you looks Left. like merchant. Okay. Um, <laughs> give, me, give me a cardinal direction. North. All right, so you guys start heading that way. Um, you walk for a bit. Uh, you don't seem to see anything ar uh, around or around that would rep or would seem like an inn. Um, uh, after about an hour's worth of walking, um, you know, you you uh, you have tons of people shouting at you about like food and water and so on, trying to get you to buy like different uh, different meals that they have. Um, as well as like, you know, travel food. Uh, you also notice that they, they have, uh, some like necessity, like basically not just food and, and, and commerce, but also like random like necessities like bed rolls and, and, uh, uh, like water purifiers and, and so on. Um, 
and eventually that gives way to people who are selling you less necessary things, such as uh, liquor and tobacco and other substances, uh, things that are, are more like comforts than necessities. Um, uh, the, if there's any food, it's less like, you know, canned food and more like, you know, sugar, uh, sugar cane and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you do, uh, actually, uh, as you leave, um, this place seems like a lot more lively. Uh, people are sampling their own wares, for instance, um, everyone's walking around with, uh, with bottles of like, you know, of various, uh, 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 alcoholic drinks, um, and uh, and you do hear music, which you uh, approach and you find a, a like semi permanent structure built out of uh, out of like sheet metal um, that has wheels, uh, which are currently like locked in place. Um, it's this large uh, ground vessel um, that is clear, apparently doubling as some sort of uh, tavern. We go in. Uh, as you go in, you see one person being dragged out. Um, he's got like a bloody lip and, uh, he, he's being dragged out by, uh, two people who are wearing large onks around their necks. And, uh, yeah, you guys go in and it is a very lively, uh, uh, in, um, there's a group of people, uh, who are singing some kind of shanty together. Um, almost, almost everyone in here is clearly from Azeda. And, uh, yeah, there's a, a tiny little bar in the corner, uh, with like a few bottles and there is, uh, uh, what looks like a steep staircase leading up to an upper level. I think I know how we can get us a room and possibly some information. Win a drinking shall... contest. Are we not on the same page? <laughs> no, I'm going to go over to the barkeep. Hello. Hello. What would you? What are you having to drink? I'm Barnabas Gunsby, and I would like to propose a trade. It appears you could use some entertainment in this fine establishment, and if I'm correct, the Azadins are all about verbal storytelling. You're not wrong about the second thing, but uh, everyone here seems to be well entertaining themselves. He gestures to the people uh, singing a shanty together, uh, to the couple making out in the corner. Uh, everyone seems to be having a pretty good time. Doesn't look like they're starving for any uh, any entertainment. I don't see what the profit is and uh, uh, what the profit is for me here. If anything, you distract them from the drinking. Ah, oh, but you see, here's what I propose. My stories will bring in people from all over the roost. And I can set up a drinking game. I'm listening. <laughs> and I go on to explain different themes in my stories um, to make people drink. Uh, go ahead and like roll a, uh, cunning. 17. He kind of grins a little bit as, as you're like telling like the, the ideas of how like you can make it into a drinking, uh, a drinking game. And he goes... All right. Well, you tell you tell a story. You uh, you uh, rise up the crowd, and uh, uh, down payment is a uh, few drinks for you and your uh, for you and your friends. Uh, you impress me. You uh, you manage to pull in the crowd. Then uh, uh, what are you looking for? Open tab for the night. I lean in. Well, maybe not quite completely open i'm going to be honest with you my friend over there likes to eat and drink quite a bit so for your sake i'd keep that on the on the down low as the kids say 
he looks at Zeke and he's like, sure. Uh, <laughs> Triple his body weight. When he looks over at me, I'm up on a stool saying, I'll drink any one of you under the table. <laughs> <laughs> Buy me food and drinks. <laughs> they all seemed interested in you say buy me food and drinks and they're like ah and they like kind of like flick some like beer at you and like try to shove you off no, the table no but for real I can drink more than all of you combined <laughs> they've stopped listening at this point uh, then what is it you're looking for we would just like a place to stay for the night and if you have any information on caravans leaving the roost that would be most helpful alright well like I said and he pours three shots of clear liquid and slides them uh, towards you. Uh, first round is the down payment. We'll see if you can deliver on your half of the bargain, and then perhaps I have a room for you and your friends. You have a deal, my friend. And then I, I call uh, Talia and Zeke over, and I raise up my glass, and I give a traditional Zayden cheers. I down the shot. Watch and learn. How Who else drinks the shot? I don't. I drink mine and Talia's. Okay. It's rough. It's this is not very good alcohol, but it's about as good as they have on a storm ship. <laughs> <laughs> it's an acquired taste. <laughs> yeah, this definitely came from an engine. Uh, <laughs> I recognize the tin. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do next? Uh, so, is somebody playing an instrument? Yes. <laughs> I walk by them as I go up to like the main stage. There's someone and playing I, the saws. I borrow the saws. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Elaborate how you intend to borrow the saws. (laughs) Excuse me. I need this for a few minutes. Thank you. And you take the saws from the person who's playing it? I'll give it back. Don't worry. It's part of a show. You'll love it. Roll evade. (laughs) You you just robbed. Uh, What did you get? 13. Yeah, this dude clocks you in the face. Um, <laughs> My apologies. I will go without the saws for today. I'll go step in. I'm so sorry. He's very, very intoxicated. Here, I take out the fan um, uh, with the with the vision of Sunspire on it. Okay, so so yeah, you you and I you and produce... I flick it open, okay. and then I shut it, and I go for your troubles. Uh, yeah. So when you open it, it is uh, it is ever since you got it from the the druids, um, it's had a beautiful uh, uh, like picturesque um, uh, portrait of the ivory towers of Sunspire cresting over the uh, uh, forest top uh, with like the sun in the perfect position in the sky, um, and you uh, you show it to him. Yeah, I, I like flip it open and then flick it shut in like a smooth motion, sort of like a, a flare. Mm-hmm. And then and then I go, for your trouble. And I place it into his palm. Roll cunning to see if you can pacify the situation. It's a 13. He uh, looks, at, uh, looks at Barnabas, looks at you, grabs the, uh, the fan and goes, your friend should watch his back. We don't take kindly to thieves in these parts. I said borrow. I apologize. Please continue playing. And he sits down and strikes up another tune. Uh, and you, uh, you haven't made it very far from the little corner bar. And the bartender goes, looks like you struck out. Deal's off. Well, it, it, well, hold on. Deal's off. I haven't even started yet. I gave you a chance. And you tried to steal from one of my patrons. Got uh, almost started the bar fight. 
borrow, borrow something. Look, do you want more business or not? I think my business is quite fine. And I think my room just got booked. You might want to see yourselves out. Um, so his, his storytelling skill is truly um, a sight to behold. However, I can understand how upset you might be. Um, are you sure, and I take out my portable, that there isn't some arrangement we could come to, perhaps something that you could find a use for in exchange for a room? Uh, you produce the portable, and he goes, yeah, perhaps like, uh, perhaps there is something. You uh, have a very nice automaton there. I'll take him, and you can have a room. Huh. And, and another voice uh, nearby goes, ha! And uh, uh, a larger, kind of gruffy uh, uh, guy comes in. Um, he looks, he's, he's larger, like, in, in like in his like belly <laughs> uh and he's a little stout um but you can see that he has strong arms mm-hmm. uh and uh he he walks uh up he's got um like a satchel over his shoulder that he drops to the ground with a loud metallic clink uh and he goes look i, I know you uh you you run a hard bargain here but uh uh the tomaton uh like that for a, a one of your piss poor rooms I don't think that's a very good deal. You're making the lady. Uh, and he, he turns to you guys and he extends a dirty hand uh, to Talia and he goes, Hey, Kaib, nice to meet you. I do the traditional um, Talia, you may kiss the ring sort of handshake thing. And he does the expected, grabs your hand and turns it into a real handshake. Yep. <laughs> you say you can tell a good story, old man. Yeah. Given a chance to, Yes. Well, pull up a stool here. Tell me a story. I'll t- buy some drinks for my friends. And uh, maybe if they impress me, I'll purchase a room for them. How's that sound? The, the bartender shrugs and uh, pours uh, four shots of clear liquid. And as he slides uh, Hekaib, uh, his uh, shot, Hekaib grabs the dude's hand and uh, leans in and goes, And how about you give the lady her trinket back? And the bartender pulls the portable out from behind his back and sets it on the uh, uh, on the bar. And I gasp. <laughs> go ahead. Tell me your story. I go with one of my most exciting stories to date about how I outran a swarm of bees for three miles, which was the distance to the closest river to jump in, in which I had to then avoid ferocious piranhas. For four miles. <laughs> <laughs> Hekaib turns, as Barnabas is telling his story, Hekaib turns to both Zeke and Talia and goes, is he telling the truth? No. Yes. <laughs> 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 he, he like chuckles and takes a drink and then goes back to listening to Barnabas. Barnabas, go ahead and roll cunning for me. Well, it's a 10. He laughs a bit and he goes, here, have a, have a seat, old man. You're going to pull something uh, waving your arms around like that. Uh, no, I was, I was, uh, there was a good story, yes, but I was more interested in uh, how you came about uh, uh, the roost. Um, you don't have uh, the type of people who travel into the, into the quist are, are few and far between. So uh, uh, what, uh, what brings yes. the three of you? To our lovely congregation here. Now that's an interesting story. 
See, we're part of a great race known as the Atroposian Circuit. We're Team Jollypot. And then I tell him of our of our journey to Azeda. Once you get like into starting to talk about like the play by play, uh, he like waits for a moment when you're like taking a sip and then he like interjects. <laughs> he goes, so you uh, you've never been to the roost before the three of you. Nope. I've ah. been nearby, but I've never actually been to the roost. I've not. No. What, what, and you're, you're part of some race, you say, yes? Yes. Are you looking for a way out of the city? Uh, I believe I heard you asking about caravans leaving. Yes, we're looking for a way to our next checkpoint in Kiandru. Oh, that's quite a ways north of here. Well, um, could be, uh, uh obviously you're, the three of you are going to need a local, uh, a local here to, uh, suss out anything you're you're searching for it will go twice as fast and uh i know quite a few people here around town uh i'm uh, willing to make a trade for you should you be willing to do something for me well name your price well um there is a man uh who uh i've done business war before business with before in the past a good man uh honest man he always uh always always made a fair deal um, and we were, uh, we were going to, uh, make an exchange and, uh, well, he backed out, um, rather unceremoniously and then, uh, went underground. I don't know whether I mean that literally or figuratively. I don't know where he is. And you want us to track him down. I would take it as a kindness. Yes. And, uh, and while you do that, I could see about, uh, uh, helping you along the way. I, I would say if you're trying to head north quickly, the caravans, they, they don't take direction from outsiders and go wherever they please uh while they may provide you protection along the road i'm not sure they're uh the quickest way well we're always looking for the quickest way so tell me more about this man you need us to find uh his name is uh seren pet seren pet he's a good man he's from the 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 wadi caravan do you know where about they camp out in the roost oh uh, you are not from around here uh, the caravans integrate pretty seamlessly here at the, ca- uh, at the roost, uh, mixed in all along, uh, he gestures and you guys kind of take in and you see like everyone has like different tattoos surrounding you. There's not just like, there's not a prominent one. Uh, the Wadi caravan is marked by, uh, um, two mountains, one behind the other. Two mountains. Okay. And Serenpat specifically, uh, operates out of the perch, which is, uh, uh, the area to the east of the roost. You see, the, the roost is split up into five sections. Uh, in the center, we have the clutch. There you can find necessities, uh, things you need just to stay alive. Um, and then here in the north, we're, is, we, we call it the crash. Uh, that's where you find uh, some of the nicer things, the things that uh, keep your spirit alive out there in the harsh desert. Um, then um, to the east... There's the perch up there on the, mount, on the rocky crag there. Uh, that's where you'll find uh, the exotic goods. Um, that's where, uh, where Serenpet mostly operated out of. Then uh, to the west, there's the rookery where uh, you can get some practical needs like uh, shelter and, and uh, uh, vehicles, beasts of burden to transport things for you. Uh, and then down in the south is the kettle where you can find weaponry and things of war to protect your caravan along the way. What was your deal for? Uh, Serenpet had uh, some 
Altaruma uh, that I was going to per- uh, going to trade with him. Uh, I gave him a down payment of some Hydra things, uh, which he actually had returned to me when he cancelled the deal. Then why do you think that he wants to continue the deal at all if he's returned your goods to you? Well, to say that Sarah Pet and I are good friends would be a bit of a stretch, but we have a long-standing business relationship. Whenever we're in the roost, we seek each other out. And this is, honestly, if you ask me, uh, uh, doing business with a man is the way you truly get to know them. Uh, that's how I know that man over there, and he points at the bartender, is a piece of dung. And honestly, uh, uh, this is completely unlike Serenpet. And I have to wonder if, uh, if he's in trouble. Also, I want my other woman. I'm sorry, I don't know what that, that is. He said he wants his other woman. I don't see what's so hard to understand. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> uh, uh, Alta Wuma. It's, uh, it's a type of, uh, it's a very rare lizard that can be found in the desert. Incredibly difficult to catch. Uh, Pet was always the best trapper I knew. Well, um, Mr. Gunsby is a well-known tracker, so if anybody could find him... That would be me. Well, it is not so much the wilderness here at the roost. Uh, your skills as a tracker may be, uh, limited by, uh, uh, by that, but, um... The fact that the three of you are outsiders, that can be helpful. If Serenpet is in trouble... Uh, and the uh, merchant militia has not uh, sussed it out yet. I imagine the only type of people who would be able to, uh, to find his trail would be people who are not affiliated with any caravan. Well then, let's find him. What exactly is it uh, you're looking for to get out of the, uh, out of the city? I, I can begin making inquiries for you. Any form of transportation, the quicker the better, but we're not going to complain either way. Preferably something that can fly very fast. Mm. We have to cross some ocean, I guess. Well, this is where it's going to get a little interesting. The extent to which I expect you to go for me will vary based on uh, exactly what you want in return. So I'm going to need something a little more specific. We need to strike a deal here, you understand? The lengths I'm willing to go for you will, vary, will match the lengths you're willing to go for me. Quick team meeting. Go right ahead. I like a man who likes to meet with his executives before he makes a decision. Shrewd businessman, that's one. Thank you. Mind if I uh, inspect your automaton while you discuss? Or is it part of the team meeting as well? He looks a little, like, unsure. Daryl, come here. Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> Another round here. <laughs> I mean, I could build us a basic vehicle, but not enough to carry all of us. So if he could find seats... And perhaps a sail and maybe some pontoons. I could create um, the rest. Uh, it could even potentially fly. It would just cost cost a bit more. We'd have to go further. Well, um, what if we offer this guy two days of our time to find his friend? That's about how long it will take me to build everything else so you'll have to it's really oh well i guess if you don't come help then it's two days if you do then it's really four days we're giving up right you would be taking a gamble on one hand she could complete it we'd get across the desert we'd still have to cross the ocean or if you can guarantee 
that your machine can fly and carry everybody, that would also be good as well. I couldn't maintain it for long, probably just a few days at the most, but it would get us, I think, at least out of the desert, which is not a small thing, especially if I use most of Gerald to make it. But how long would it take to put Gerald back together? Well, Gerald's really just his pseudo brain works. So, I mean, I could put him in the vehicle, really. Well, um... Do we know anything about where we're going? Is this the one that doesn't allow tech? Keandrew is in the country of Sulrai, uh, which is a country that has a ban on all technology and science. When you say all technology and science, is fire okay? Yeah, what I mean, basically, think of it. Think of it like primitive, right? Anything that anything that needs to be peer reviewed is probably something that doesn't. <laughs> but like garden hose and wheels and like wagons, those are pretty self explanatory. <laughs> okay. So I could. Can I bring my wood revolver? There would be some problems there, uh, but you do, being a gnome, Zeke. Uh, you do know that Keandrew is uh, a country of um, gnomes. Basically, uh, Sulrai used to be a gnomish nation before it got crushed by the Howdy Empire. And uh, the remnants of that nation basically built the city of Keandrew. Um, and when all of the events occurred that led Sulrai to become a country that has a uh, tech ban... Um, it was uh, pretty quickly realized that uh, the island that Keandrew is on, uh, while still in Surai, uh, the tech ban isn't as strict as it is on the mainland. Uh, Keandrew kind of operates a little bit separate from the uh, government of Surai uh, to an extent. Um, at least in that, like, you know that Keandrew has some of the niceties. So, uh, like, they might be cool for a minute if we just pass through. Right. Or or they, like, might, like, confiscate your stuff, but they're not going to, like, throw spears at you or something just as soon as they see, like, a bit of technology. Cool. They they are at least a little forward-thinking in Key and Drew. Okay. Well, if you're comfortable taking Gerald apart and turning him into a desert skiff, me and Barnabas can go be street detectives. <laughs> Well, and I can always put Gerald in something much smaller. So we might not have Gerald going forward, but we'll get to where we need to go. I think I think if if um our friend here can provide me the things I need, I can get us a desert slash water skiff. Sounds good to me. It um, won't be comfy, but I think it will work. All whoop, right. whoop. You tell him the good news. Um Mr. Hekaib? Yes. Uh, it seems uh, there's a few things we need. Um, I can make a vehicle for us, but there are a few parts um, that I would need to be provided to me. Um, and in exchange, if you could provide those things, my compatriots will search for your friend, uh, Mr. Serenpet, Um for the time it takes me to build the vehicle, which will be about two days. Okay, well, um, 
what kind of vehicle are you trying to create that's going to change who I talk to, the kind of components I try to find you? I need um, skiff pontoons, so they must float, but also be thin on the bottom so they can act as blades, and then three seats, one small, and also a sheet for a sail. <laughs> okay, so you're making some sort of land vehicle, but one that can also work on, on water. So you need, you need uh, both capabilities. Yes. Okay, I, I mean, I know a few people around town, like I said, so it, it shouldn't be too much of a problem. Um, going to have to uh, reach into a couple deep pockets, uh, call in a couple favors to get it in a short amount of time, but I can probably get you the materials you need to work on within a day. So that gives the three of you effectively three days before you're done with your uh, project. Roughly, yes. Now, I'm not all about the intimidation and the, the scare tactics, but uh, I will tell you that uh, if, if uh, I don't think you've held up your end of the deal, we may need to revisit the deal. I, I possibly might be giving you these parts before you uh, find Serenpet or really get anywhere close to finding him, um, which means uh, I'm doing it on the, on the good faith that you will uh, ho- uphold your end of the deal and truly find my, uh, my business partner. We don't have any intention, well, I don't have any intention of, of stealing from you. Uh, I'll be there the entire time, so... And I am Barnabas Gunsby, man of truth and honor. Okay. Uh, so, um... If we have an accord? Yes. Um, uh, first, I'll uh, go ahead and um, uh, he raises his hand. He's got like a, a coin in it. And you see uh, on his wrist, uh, uh, there's a tattoo of an anchor. Uh, and he, he makes eye contact with the bartender uh, who comes, uh, who, you know, sidesteps over to him. It's not a very big bar. It basically encompasses a corner. Uh, and he goes, the room for my friends. And hands the, the guy a key who or hands uh, the bartender a coin, uh, who returns uh, uh, a metal key to uh, Hekaib, and Hekaib uh, presents you with the key. Um, and he goes, I gave him enough money to give you three days, so you got, uh, this can be your base of operations and where we can meet. It stays open 24 hours, so we should be able to come and go as we please. Excellent. Well, um, a pleasure. Likewise. Uh, just to make sure we are clear... To to find the parts for you to create a land vehicle, one uh, with the ability to uh, cro- uh, traverse water as well, uh, it will take some some doing. Uh, and uh, as a result, what I expect from you is not only to find out where Serenpet is, but to compel him to reinstate his deal with me. And if he's met with a worse fate... Well, then finding him will have to be enough. You guys aren't going to kill him, are you? No. Okay. Goodness, no. no. <laughs> no, but you uh, people who go missing mysteriously tend to not be in the greatest of states. That's fair enough. You find him, should he be alive, find out why he canceled the deal with me, and then compel him to reach out to me. Um, perhaps work as a liaison between me and him. See if you can mediate the situation. I, the, the merchant militia is usually the, the mediators in situations like this, but 
Uh, they're thugs. They have no elegance. Uh, you seem like much more straight shooters. At least you do. And he points at you, Talia. I'd prefer to have you negotiate both sides. If it comes to that. If it comes to that. All right. So we are in agreement. Yes. Yes. We will find your friend. Yeah, we got it. All right. Uh, we have to seal the deal, of course. And he extends his hand to shake your hand. I shake it properly this time. <laughs> he gives you a nice, uh, nice good shake. Uh, and he goes, and uh, tell me, well, what is your name, young lady? Talia Nazari. Talia. That's a good name. And uh, how about you, my friend? I'm Zeke. Zeke, pleasure doing business with you as well. He extends a hand to shake your hand. Yeah, you shake his hand. And Bondabus Gunsby, yes? Yes. Uh, he shakes. I shake his hand vigorously. He shakes back firmly. Uh, then he, uh, he goes, um, I'll, uh, I'll get around to uh, collecting the materials you need uh, tomorrow. By the end of tomorrow night, I should have them for you. I can have them delivered here to this fine establishment. Then I will uh, I'll be seeing you at least tomorrow night, if not sooner. Farewell. And uh, he uh, shakes all your hands again and picks up his uh, satchel, which clangs around with metal, and uh, goes walking out. I'd like to check Gerald to see that he's all there. <laughs> sure. Uh, roll science. Not great. 13. Yeah. All of the parts are there. Right. Heck, I didn't steal anything. Did anybody else? I mean, you all check in all of your stuff is currently accounted for. All right. And you go up the narrow staircase into a very narrow hallway, um, and uh, there's a door that you uh, that Talia and Barnabas both have to duck under to get through, uh, and uh, there's a pretty tight room with um, two twin-sized beds. Um, so, Mr. Quaglin can sleep on the foot of Mr. Gunsby's bed. <laughs> and Gerald stands there. His feet are gross. <laughs> right, you can sleep the head, but then he's breathing on you. Everything about this spells disaster. <laughs> Man, go to sleep. It's like it's like middle of the night. You feel an arm reach across you and pull you in, and you just hear. No, 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 no! I get real big. <laughs> <laughs> Talia, you're woken to a commotion <laughs> as uh, as Barnabas is crushed under elf sized Zeke. <laughs> Woo! What is going on? Oh, cripes. <laughs> he grabbed me like a teddy bear. <laughs> All right, Mr. Quaglin. Small and over here. I get small. Night. Go over to the foot of Talia's bed. All right. It's a little more cramped. You're kind of like more in between her ankles than at her feet. Whatever. <laughs> Are you comfy? <laughs> 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 Mr. Gunsby, are you dead? <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes I hate you both. <laughs> and with that, we'll end today's session. <laughs> this podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, sponsored, or specifically approved by Cracked Monocle Gaming. Tefra, the steampunk RPG, is a trademark of Cracked Monocle Gaming. All rights reserved. 
go to www.crackedmonocle.com for more information.